together together. Go with me to Psalms chapter 37. Psalms chapter 37. You know, sometimes on Wednesdays, God will just lay a word on my heart. And um, I, I kind of have to trust where he wants to go with it. You know, I, I try not to make Wednesday nights too heavy. You know, we're, we're, you know, got a lot going on. And many of us made a lot of sacrifices just to be here, whether it be work or kids or school or, you know, we still got to get up and do it all over again tomorrow. And um, uh, so, you know, I, I try not to make it too heavy, but I just want to bring a word tonight that I hope will encourage somebody. Um, but, you know, when we're walking this life, you know, we're walking this kingdom life as believers, citizens in the kingdom of God, you know, there can be some scary times. You know, one of the words that we use a lot uh, in the Bible, we see it used a lot in the Bible, we see it used a lot, uh, you know, and we hear it used a lot in church and in Christianity altogether is the word faith. Faith. And, and, and faith is not just something you think. It's something you believe. It's something that you're steadfast in. It's something that you've solidified in your heart. It's not just a mental thing. Faith, faith was never meant to be just something I think. Faith was never meant to be just on the level of what can I comprehend, uh, you know, in my mental capacity. Uh, faith was always meant to be deeper than that. And when we talk about a walk with God, all we're simply talking about is living the life that God has for us. That, that's basically what we're breaking it down to. But how many of you know that living the life that God has for us and living the life we think that God has for us sometimes are two completely different things? Uh, taking the right step at the right time, you know, and, and, and then depending on what kind of background you have or where you've come from or, you know, what, what kind of religious background you have, you know, you may have this picture of God that, you know, the second you get off course or the second you make a mistake, you know, he's ready and waiting to mess you all up. Uh, but that's not the God that we serve. And, um, you know, I, I've been doing a lot of reading on the man Abraham. And if anyone had to walk a walk with God, it was Abraham. I just love the fact that, you know, uh, of, of who this man was, the challenges that he faced that, you know, no matter what kind of challenge you, you, you think you have in life, you read about this guy, and they had a challenge. And, and sometimes the challenge is not even something you're looking for. God will sometimes lay something on your heart that it's like, God, why would you even tell that to me? I was doing fine. I mean, let's take Abraham, for example. A Abraham's a man. He's living with his family. He's got it made in the shade. The Bible tells us. The Bible tells us in Genesis that he was rich with livestock and family and money. This guy, I mean, you know, we think about rich people and it's like they don't have anything to worry about. But how many of you know that God will find something in your life, no matter how much you got together, how much you got going on, God will find the one thing. Why? Because he wants you to trust in him. God is moved by faith. The Bible says that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him and that only those with faith can, can please God. Only those with faith. That means if we're not if we're not actively operating at a level of faith in some degree, it, 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 then, then then we're at a risk of not living a life that's pleasing to God. Because God wants our life in some way, some form, some fashion to reflect Him, not us. 
That's just who God is. God wants all the glory. God wants all the credit. God wants all the praise. And so we, you know, I've been reading and studying about this man, Abraham, and had it all together. But that's the man that God picks. I mean, I just love that. God picks him. See, you were picked. Let me, say, let me put it this way. You were picked to have the problem that you see as a problem. Because, you know, sure, Abraham and Sarah, you know, wanted to have children. Sure. Abram and Sarai wanted to have children. But I don't know they ever went to bed at night saying, I just want to be a father of many nations. I want to be known as the father of faith. I want to be the one that cannot have children, but I'm going to have many children from one child. That's who I want to be. And we don't have any record that they ever asked God for a child. We don't have a record that they ever asked God for a family. And definitely by the time, by the age that they're at, it's not on their mind any longer. They've given up on the dream. Come on, then we can relate to this. See, some of us have given up on finding a solution to the problem that we have in our life and just, you know, trying to be thankful and and live happily ever after with what we do have. And then God's going to show up and he says, oh, by the way, this is what I want you to do. And you're thinking, that's the one thing I can't do, God. That's the one thing I will not be able to do. You just picked me for the assignment of the one thing. I mean, you could have said, "I I want you to be a financier for the kingdom. Because Abraham's got the money. I mean, he could pick anybody else in his family. He's got a large family. But he picks him to be a father of many nations. And so Abraham is walking with God at this point. Because the only way that he is going to fulfill in his, or see fulfilled in his life what God has called him to do is he's got to stay close to God. You can't walk away from God and walk the life that he has for you. You can't walk away from God. You can't walk separated from God and walk out the plan that he has for you. It's got to be in alignment with him because ultimately he's the only one that can fulfill it. God isn't saying to Abram, now it's up to you to figure out how to have kids. He doesn't say that. See, God is a God where he will give you a glimpse of the vision. God will show you the end. God is real good about showing you the end of something, and then you have to trust him in getting there. That's how God works. God will show you the end, and the end never looks like something that's feasible. The the end never, you know, God, I'm never going to have that much money. I'm never going to own that kind of business. I'm never going to have that kind of family or that kind of influence. I'm never going to finish this type of degree. And and, and God will give you the vision for something, and then it's the in-between steps that you've got to figure out. It's the in-between steps. See, if you actually go back to Genesis, and we're not doing it because of time, but I'm going to give you the paraphrase. God never told Abraham, now here's what's going to happen. You're 75 years old right now. I'm telling you to leave your home country, and I'm going to make you a great nation. And so here's what's going to happen. 25 years is going to go by, and you're not going to see anything. Okay? And uh, 
you know, you're going to even try to devise, you know, come up with ideas of how we can have children. But your wife is your wife, Sarah, is going to be the one who has the child. Now, that might sound weird that he would have to mention that. But him and Sarah get together one day and say, look, this thing doesn't seem to be happening. Why don't we have the child through your maidservant? So what did Abraham and Sarah do? They got in, and in the steps in between here and the vision, they tried to figure it out for God. They tried to devise a plan. They tried to put something into practice to help God along the way. God, God I understand it's a great vision. That, that's awesome. Let me, let, me just, let me just push you in the right direction. Let me give you some help here. See, one of us has to be able to bear children. And uh, this one's not able to, but, you know, I, I, she's, she's given me access to someone else, and, and, and we can do it that way. And they go that route, and they give birth to a child, and then God comes back with a, uh, that's not how we're going to do it. <laughs> so now you're back at square one. Now you're back at square one again. And see, this is what we do sometimes. This is what we do. But look at Psalms chapter 37, verse 3. Psalms chapter 37 and verse 3. And, and some of these verses are probably going to be some verses you're familiar with. These are popular verses. Verse 3 says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. That means his faithfulness. That, what's his faithfulness? What he's done before? Do you realize you can feed on his, on his faithfulness and it will energize you for the future? Looking at what God has done will help encourage you for what he's going to do. Feed on his faithfulness. Trust in the Lord and do good. Trust in the Lord and do good. I mean, we got a responsibility here. Trust in the Lord. And do good. Here's, here's how I interpret this. The present is in your control. And the future is in God's control. See, while we're trusting in the Lord, don't do bad. The present is in your control. See, I can trust in God, but still take the wrong step today. I can trust in God with the future but he still says, you've got control for what you're doing today. And see, Abraham had to trust God with the future because there's no way. There's no way my barren wife, who is 65, 75, 85, 95 years old, can give birth to a child. It's not possible. This can't happen. And so we're trusting in God. You know, there's just some things that are easy to trust God with because we know that there's just no way we can do it. But then it's in the steps to getting to the vision, getting to the future, where we can come off of that a little bit. And even though we trust God with the future, we don't trust him today. And God says, I want you to trust me with the future, but I also want you to listen to me today. Listen to what I'm saying today. 
See, God, God, God never told him to say, Sarah will have your child. So now that leaves it open for discussion. That, that leaves it open for debate. We, we can figure out another way to get God's promise to come to pass. But if you're going to trust in God with the future, then you've got to make the right steps today. He says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land. Dwell in the land. Dwell in the land. Don't leave it. Remain there. Abide there. Dwell there. That means stay in what he's had you doing and feed on his faithfulness. I'm staying there today because I can look back and see what he's done for me before. What God has done for me in the past keeps me moving today so I can access the future. God's got it all covered. He's got the past covered. He's got the present covered. He's got the future covered. He's got every decision, every choice uh, that I'll have to make. He has it covered. And I can look at what he's done for me before, and that solidifies me today, so I'm going to keep doing what he's called me to do, and I can trust him with the future. I can trust that making the right decision today will get me where he's told me I can be tomorrow. Let's keep going. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself also in the Lord. God is delighted. He's delighted when we remain steadfast in his promise. He's, re, he's delighted in that. Commit your way to the Lord, verse 5 says. Commit your way to the Lord. I mean, these are strong phrases. These aren't suggestions. These are commands. Commit your way. That word commit means this, roll off onto means to roll off onto commit your way to the lord it's amazing that we can go after what god has called us to do but do it our way and we don't achieve god's vision our way we achieve god's vision by committing it to his way that means he has a way of doing it abraham had a way that he could accomplish it But God said, I have a way I want you to accomplish it. I have a way I want you to achieve. God God isn't a God that's upstairs saying, uh, here's the vision that I have for you. So whatever route, whatever uh, you have to do to get there, just get there. Notice that God is instrumental in every phase, every step along the way. He has the way that you'll achieve the future. He has the way that you'll get to the end result. He's not just giving you a result, giving you an end, and saying whatever it takes to get there. He's got a way. So we have to commit our way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and watch this, and he shall bring it to pass. And so this is where we're going tonight. The more that I commit myself to his way, the less of me that gets in the way. I'll say that again. The more that I commit myself to his way, the less of me that gets in the way. Sometimes we're the ones in the way of the future and the vision that God has called us to be. We're the ones standing in our own path, blocking our own path to the vision and the future that he's called us to. The destiny is right before us, and we're the ones that are in the way. 
He says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him. And he shall. He's saying, look, if you'll find yourself committed to my way of doing it, I'm the one that will bring it to pass anyway. I'm the one that's going to show myself strong. I'm the one that's going to perform this thing for you. I'm the one that's going to show up for you. And we can be encouraged in that, that I'm committed to his way. I'm only seeking his way of doing it. You know, and that's something that we just have to learn to give up as human nature. Just just in, in our own human nature, we have to learn to give up our way. You do not have to take to teach a child to want to get their own way. <laughs> that, that, is, that is birthed within us, into our human nature. I want my way, my way or the highway. This is how I want to do it. This is how I want to eat my cereal. This is how I want to dress myself. You know, I'm so thankful that Camden is becoming more independent. But at the same time, it's like there's some things that you're just not quite, you're still dependent. You don't know how to button your shirt. You got one button, and it's the top button and the bottom button that are all misaligned, and you're saying, I'm ready to go to school. And no, you're not. You need to commit yourself to my way because you're in the way. Your shoes are on the wrong feet, and they're backwards. I don't even know how you did that. And it's two completely different pairs of shoes. Why? Because we want our way. Right? I mean, don't we have a restaurant with a slogan that says, have it your way? I mean, American society tells us, just do it your way. We're all the same. We're all going to get there. We're all going to get to the same point. You just do it your way. And, and look, this is creeping over into the church. Well, you do it your way, and you do it where we all love Jesus. And that's not what God says. God says commit to his way. Commit your way to the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. I love this verse, verse 7. I love the first word. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently. Now, I mean, you would think that it would be all right for David just to say, and wait for him. But that's not good enough, (laughs) right? Because patience isn't just waiting. Because I know some people that wait impatiently. Right, we've all stood behind those people in the grocery store. Sometimes we are that person in the grocery store. You're waiting no matter what. You are waiting. The question is, how are you waiting? Come on. Nobody even uses checks anymore. Come on. You don't don't you don't even have to give them. You have Apple Pay. You can just stick your phone on there and it just automatically takes it. You don't even have to whip out a card or nothing. And you're over here with a checkbook, and you're trying to count out the change. I know I got 54 cents in here, right? And they're looking for the quarters and the dimes and the nickels and the pennies, and it's like you have a credit card. It does all that for you. 
So who carries cash anymore? But we've all been behind that person. And we've waited because you don't have an option. There's no, excuse me, lady, you're taking too long. Okay, I have a debit card. I'm going to swipe for my stuff. No, you've got to wait. But he says here, what? Rest in the Lord and wait patiently. God doesn't like it when we become impatient with him. <laughs> but what does he tell you what what does he tell you to do while waiting? Rest. Waiting on God is the most restful thing you can do. He is the prince of peace. He wants us to operate in peace. Look at the next words. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way. See, sometimes while we're waiting on our thing, we see other people getting blessed. And rather than that encouraging us, that discourages us. (laughs) And we don't even realize it, but we're slowing ourselves down in the process. When God says, rest in me, be patient, wait patiently on me, and don't worry, don't fret, don't get uh, all worked up. Don't become disturbed when you see him who prospers in his way, or because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. What's that mean? Sometimes there will, people, there will be people in your life that will try to deliberately thwart the plan of God for you. But he says, don't fret. Wait patiently. Wait patiently on the Lord. Skip on down to verse 23. Same chapter, Psalms 37. In verse 23, it says, The steps of a good man, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. That word ordered means established. That word ordered means established. What does that mean? That means you can't rearrange it. You know, when you, when you place something in order, if you have to place something in order alphabetically or numerically, you're placing it in a certain order. There's an order to it. And he says, my steps are ordered, or the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. That means it's not up to us to rearrange them and move them around and try to figure out which step is next. No, the steps of a righteous man, of a good man, are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. There's that word again, he delights. That means God is getting pleasure out of you taking the right step at the right time. He's delighted. He delights in his way. Watch this. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. Though he fall. It doesn't say if he falls. Though he fall. That even... Even when our steps are ordered by the Lord, there can be times where we fall. But he says, look, you won't be utterly cast down. Why? Because the Lord upholds them with his hand. Who does he uphold? That which is taking the steps that are ordered by the Lord. That's who he's upholding. That's who he's what? Keeping steadfast. Upholding means that he keeps you from failing. Falling is not failing. Failing is not getting back up. Falling isn't failing. 
Just because we fall along the way, just because we get tripped up, doesn't mean that we have to be cast down, doesn't mean that we have to remain down. No, he says, I will uphold you by my own hand. This is good. Proverbs chapter 14. look at one more verse and then I want to take a look at the life of Abraham. Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs 14 verse 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. There is a way that seems right to a man. Proverbs 19 verse 21 tells us that many are the plans in a man's heart. But it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. There is a way that seems right but can still be wrong. And, and, and this is the confusing part. This is the part where some of us get stuck in because it seems right, but is wrong. And the only way that we will properly discern the way that is right or wrong is when we go back to Psalms 37. We trust in the Lord with our ways. We commit our ways to him. We commit our ways to him. Uh, there's, there's been times in my life, I mean, if I had to go back and, and look at momentous times or times where I made transitions in my life, I really didn't pray about any of them. I just committed them to God. That I, I, I didn't pray about moving to Florida when I was in Texas and I just graduated from Bible school. I didn't pray about it. I wasn't, you know, on my hands and knees asking God, what, what's the next step? Where do I need to be? I was just doing, I was doing what Psalms 30, 37 tells me. Trust in the Lord and do good. So I'm just trusting in the Lord. And then, in just about every single opportunity that came my way was came to me at a point when I wasn't even looking for it. About Austin. Wasn't even looking for it. I wasn't on my hands and knees praying, God, where's that church? What, what, what's it going to be? I want to be a senior pastor so bad. I'm tired of being the children's pastor. I want to be a senior. I want to be the, the guy, the leader. I, 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 was, I was ready to be a children's pastor for another five years. I never prayed about it. It came and found me. That's what the Bible tells It says if you seek first the kingdom, all these things will be added unto you. We got to be people that commit our ways to the Lord. Trust in Him. Wait patiently on Him. See, we're going to get into opportunities where there is a way that seems right, but its end is the way of death. Its end, the result, where it, it where it leaves you off, is not where God wanted to leave you. So we have to commit our ways to him. The way can seem right and still be wrong. So go over to Romans chapter 4. 
I believe that Romans chapter 4 gives us a clear picture, a clear identifier. I mean, we don't even see in, in, anywhere in Genesis that uh, Abraham and Sarah were praying for children. We, we, we've said that earlier. They were trusting in the Lord and doing good. Trust in the Lord and do good. See, sometimes we get, uh, what happens is, is we start praying about the future, or we start praying about the next step, or we start trying to point to this and start trying to point to that. And what happens is, is we get our eyes off of what we're doing today. And if you're failing where you're at today, you can forget about excelling in the future that he has for you tomorrow. So Romans chapter 4, verse 13, for the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. It says for the promise, for the promise. That means, you know, a a promise is something that you do not have hold of today. You have not obtained it today. If it's a promise, then it means you don't have it. It's in the future. Verse 14, for if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. That means if you were able to accomplish it on your own, you wouldn't need faith. If you were able to do it all by yourself, if it was of the law, not of righteousness, what's righteousness? Trusting in him, giving yourself to him, to God. And he says, if those who are of the law are heirs, then faith is made void. You don't even need it. Because the law brings about wrath, for where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed. Not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith, of Abraham, who is the father of us all. And this this verse, we're going to continue reading, but this verse is really where I want to camp on. Because what he says here is, is if you don't need faith, then you're not fulfilling God's vision for your life. If you don't need faith, then you're not fulfilling God's vision. You're possibly fulfilling your vision or even somebody else's vision. God's vision will require faith because it's not according to you. It says, therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to what? Grace. And grace is God's ability working through you. Grace is God's ability working through you. Therefore, it is of Faith occurs when we cease trying to do something by our own effort and trust someone else. Faith occurs when we cease, when we stop trying to figure it out on our own and we trust someone else to figure it out for us. As long as we're trying to figure it out, as long as we are not committing our ways to him, we're not operating in faith. And if you're not operating in faith, you're not fulfilling his vision for your life. You see, Abraham had to live this way. 
Abraham was given a vision that was only possible by God's power. It was through, it was by faith through grace. By faith in God and then God working through Abraham and Sarah to make him a father of many nations. But when they step in and say, we'll figure this out. We, I got an idea. Rather than try to have children with you, let's have children with, and now what are they doing? They're trying to implement their own action. They're trying to initiate their own uh, way of taking care of it on their own effort. And where does God get the glory in Abraham having a child with a maidservant that was able to have children? If God doesn't get the glory, it wasn't his vision. If God doesn't get the glory, then it wasn't his vision. His vision, his glory. And so God has to come back and say no. And then, and then you know what he does? Then he comes back to Abraham. The Lord visits him. And they're outside his tent. And Sarah's in the tent. And that's when God says, no, let me help you out here, buddy. My plan, my provision, I will tell you how you're going to have children. And I will tell you when you're going to have children. And I will tell you through who you're going to have children. And this time next year, your wife, Sarah, will give birth. Not no maid servant. That's not the pro- that's not the, the 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 child of promise. He just came out and said it. He just came out and said it. That's not the child. Ishmael is not the child. And Sarah's you know inside laughing. Sometimes God's vision God's vision will make you laugh, but that's the bottom line. It's not about you. It's about Him. And so this right here tells us in verse sixteen, it is of faith. That it might be according to grace. Not according to you. If it's according to you, then there's no faith necessary. If it's according to grace, you're going to need some faith. And so faith is the key. Faith is the opposite of trusting ourselves. Faith is the opposite of trusting ourselves. And and, and what what does Proverbs tell us? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. They're the opposite. You can't lean on your own understanding and trust in God. You either trust in God or you trust in yourself. And faith is the opposite of trusting yourself. If faith is getting you outside of your ability to perform something. And faith is a disregard for what is currently present and humanly possible. Faith is a disregard for what is currently present and humanly possible. Let's keep reading this. Verse 17. For as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. 
in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. The vision doesn't exist today. The future doesn't exist today. But God talks about it as if it's already done. And we talked about his words last week. We talked about how he values his word. He places his word above his name. God values words so much that he'll talk about it that way as if it's already been done. God talks about the future in the past tense. He calls those things that do not exist as though they did. And so look at Abraham's response, verse 18. I love this. It's one of my favorite phrases because it just sounds like the ultimate dichotomy. It doesn't make any sense. Who, contrary to hope, in hope, believed. Contrary to hope, in hope, believed. He's talking about placing an expectation. Hope is an expectation. That's what hope is. Faith is what you believe. Faith is your belief system. But hope is an expectation. If you are hoping to get something in the mail, you have an expectation that it's on the way. And your level of faith determines your level of hope. And he says right here, contrary to hope, in hope. What's he saying? Contrary to human expectation, he allows faith to create a whole new expectation. Contrary to hope, contrary to hope in his own flesh that he considers dead. We'll read it here in a minute. He allows the faith in God to create a whole new hope. Contrary to hope, contrary to what's possible humanly, fleshly, it's a disregard for the current situation and believes that the expected end will come. Faith just created a whole new hope for him. Who contrary to hope, in hope, believed that he became the father of many nations. According to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. Look at verse 19. And not being weak in faith. He did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Didn't consider it. Disregarded it. Faith has a blatant disregard for what it currently looks like. Faith looks at the fact and calls it a lie. Faith looks at what is currently going on and says it's not that way. Calling those things that be not as though they were. Guys, we've got to start talking about things that aren't as if they were. You've got to start talking about your finances as if they were. You've got to start talking about your marriage as if it was. You've got to start talking about your children as if it was. Abraham did not get the promise of Isaac talking about it what it talking about what it currently looked like. And now I'm getting back on last week's message again. He did not achieve 
becoming the father of many nations by calling himself Abram. He started talking what God was talking. Verse 20, he did not waver at the promise of God. You know, sometimes the, the promise of God is the thing that weakens you the most. Just seeing the promise. Again, God has handpicked a man that has forgotten about having children. He has, he has gone to Abraham and said, your problem is the solution. The thing that we've just seen as a problem, the thing that we have just seen as, as, as we're trying to overcome and, and we've just you know, put it in the ground, we've buried it, we said forget about it, and that's the thing that God digs back up and says, no, I'm going to use that for something. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. This is, this is so good. And being fully convinced that what he had promised, here it is, he was also able to perform. Abraham did not try to perform God's promise. But he became fully convinced, fully convinced, I'm going to trust in the Lord and do good. I'm going to commit my ways to him. I will delight myself in the Lord, and he will give me the desires of my heart. That was Abraham's position. Psalms 37 was Abraham's position. He knew the steps of a good man are established, so I've got to follow in his the order that he's placed, the direction that he gives, the guidance in which he leads me. I've got to follow that. And that is how you become fully convinced that what he promised, he will perform. See, the thing is, is we see God's promise and we try to perform it. We no longer commit our ways to him. Committing your ways to him takes faith. Committing your ways to him, you have to operate in faith because it's according to his grace, not your power. God has never given you a promise that is under your power to accomplish. And so I just want you to be strengthened tonight. I just want you to be encouraged tonight that it's his promise. It's his performance. Let him perform in your life. Commit your ways to him. Commit your decisions to him. Trust in the Lord and do good. Trust in the Lord and obey what he's telling you to do today. Trust in the Lord. Commit your ways because the steps of a good man are ordered, established, remain firm. And even though you fall, you will not be cast down because his hand will uphold you. Even though Abraham fell, even though Abraham tried to figure it out on his own, even though Abraham and Sarah tried to get together and naturally figure out a spiritual promise from God, they weren't cast down. Because the word tells us that he became fully convinced. Contrary to hope, in hope he believed. 
He continued to remain in faith. He continued to see the vision, the future, the plan, the purpose that God had for him. He remained steadfast that this is a God that calls those things to be not as though they were. I may not be a father of many nations today, but I'm calling myself a father of many nations. Whatever it is tonight that you have before you, whatever it is tonight that God has given you a vision and a future, he has shown you the glimpse of the end result. He's asking you, don't just trust him with the end, trust him with the way. Don't just trust him with the end result and then figure out a way to get there. Trust him with the end by trusting him with the way. Commit your way to the end. Commit your ways to him. Father, we thank you tonight that you've given us such a great vision and a future, a purpose and a destiny. But Father, sometimes we become overrun with trying to figure out the way to the end. We know that you've given us the end. But Father, you've also given us the way. And we want to know your way. We want to know the way. And we want to commit ourselves to your way. We want to roll off onto you our way. We give up trying to figure it out on our own. We give up trying to help you in the process. You just want us to be still and know that you are God. That you are God. You're a great God. You're a mighty God. You're a good God. And you have a great plan for us. And you have the way to the end. We delight ourselves in you. We trust in you and we do good. We give you control, not just of the future, but of the present. And we know this, just as with Abraham, you will get all the glory. You will get all the praise. You will get all the honor. We thank you. And you will be glorified in our life. You will be glorified in the what we see as a problem, you see as a solution. What we see as a question mark, you see as an answer. But Father, we commit that to you. We give ourselves to that so we can see your purpose prevail in our lives. We thank you for this tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah.